Anthea Mulakala. I'm the Asia Foundation Senior Director for International Development Cooperation. And I'm Ji Hongbo. I'm the Asia Foundation's country representative in China. China charts a new course on international development today on In Asia from the Asia Foundation. I'm John Rieger. And I'm Tracy Yang. On January 10th, China's State Council Information Office released the much-awaited white paper, China's International Development Cooperation in the New Era. The paper offers, in effect, a new vision for China's global role and responsibilities. In an essay in this week's In Asia blog, our country representative in China, Ji Hongbo, and our director of international development cooperation, Anthea Mulakala, describe a China poised to become this century's most prominent development partner. Anthea joins us now from Kuala Lumpur and Hongbo from Beijing to talk about the report. Anthea Hongbo. Welcome to In Asia. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you, John and Tracy. So this white paper is long, longer than China's two previous white papers on the subject combined. What's new about the vision presented here? As you may know, past white papers mainly only talked about what Chinese aid had done and what it had achieved, whereas this new white paper has a whole chapter on China's vision. For international development cooperation, I think this type of new information in the white paper demonstrates that China wants to shape and form the international discourse with ideas and concepts of Chinese origin. Who's the audience for this document? The document is published both in Chinese and in English, so there are two audiences internationally. China's South-South cooperation footprint is large, especially if you include investments that are made along the Belt and Road. However, there's also confusion and opacity around China's activities. Demand-driven assistance is a key principle of South-South cooperation, and China has always regarded this particular principle highly in that it responds to. The needs, interests, requests of partner countries. So, if a country, for example, had felt need for a piece of infrastructure or a particular intervention in healthcare or another sector, China would try to meet that need through its its foreign aid or through its development cooperation. However, this tradition of demand-driven assistance could create and has created the impression. Of a jumbled array of scattered projects, lacking coherence. So the white paper lays it all out for all those inquiring minds. They tell us, "Here's what we do. Here's why we do it. Where we do it. How we do it. And why it's important for China, for development cooperation, for our partners." And the paper also ties together different aspects of China's cooperation. For example, the Belt and Road Initiative, the Sustainable Development Goals, a new fund that China has created called the South-South Cooperation Assistance Fund, as well as China's new International Development Cooperation Agency. So the white paper takes a slight shift and reveals that China's foreign aid and China's development cooperation is going to be much more purposeful and targeted. Um, the white paper is facing a domestic audience in China as well.、Uh, there have been questions and concerns voiced on Chinese social media on why China is helping Africa when China itself still has so many problems. So the white paper talks about how you know aid is not one way, 
how what China tries to do is more about cooperation and achieving common good. I think all these pronunciations hope to address these domestic concerns. So, what's the biggest takeaway from this paper? Yeah, that's a good question. For me, the takeaway for me is both what's there and what isn't there. So, in terms of what's there. The planning framework, thinking about where, when, and what China is going to do, is significant.、It, the language China uses as well definitely aligns more with international discourse, which indicates that China is a serious player in development cooperation and is inviting collaboration, partnership, participation with other actors. I think the white paper makes that significant statement. Interestingly, what's missing is some of the discussion on the diversity of China's development actors, and we saw a lot of this come out during the the COVID pandemic, where China's NGOs, civil society, as well as the private sector were were heavily engaged in humanitarian and development efforts. China doesn't talk about those in this paper.、Uh, it acknowledges that they exist, but there isn't a discussion. So definitely, it leaves us wanting to hear more and understand more about the future role of these critical development actors. I agree with Anthea. I think the white paper has provided far more in-depth data and information about Chinese thinking, the philosophy, the ideology. But I think in general, people are expecting、uh, more information on a country level. So it remains to be seen how this level. Of、uh, further transparency will be accomplished in the future. Now that the paper is out, what should we watch for in Chinese development cooperation? The white paper lists three main future emphases.、Uh, the first one being to build a global community of health for all.、Um, so we can see that China is actively contributing to COVID vaccine research and production. And donating、uh, vaccines to、uh, some of its development partners. Another big concern is about economic growth. So there's the issue of China's loans to developing countries and how it will provide debt relief and debt forgiveness as part of the G20、uh, debt relief initiative, as well as bilaterally in negotiation with its debtor countries. I think for the longer term, we want to see. Further transparency of Chinese aid data.、Uh, the white paper talked about strengthening Chinese aid capacity and systems, including aid statistics and information system. So hopefully we'll be able to see some country level data and priorities in the future. I'll just add that I think we're likely to see increased multilateralism from China. This has been a priority area for Chinese partnerships, and we can expect more effort from China to participate in multilateral and regional platforms, create new ones that they see as purposeful, and also try to participate more in leading global governance through multilateral platforms. We'll probably see more emphasis on other aspects of the Belt and Road Initiative. BRI is much more than an infrastructure platform, and we'll start to see China focus on some of the other aspects that have always been part of the BRI but haven't been emphasized. And this could include the people-to-people and cultural links, as well as aspects like the digital and the health Silk Road. 
Additionally, poverty alleviation and addressing issues associated with poverty are front and center in the white paper. And we see this through an increased focus on humanware over hardware. And this is especially important as we see China's lending portfolio decrease. Uh, it has decreased dramatically over the last few years. So that suggests a movement away from heavy infrastructure to more people-oriented programs. So it's like an invitation to other donors to come together with China to find common ground in the development agenda. And, and this is a positive overture from China. The Asia Foundation's Ji Hongbo in Beijing and Anthea Mulakala in Kuala Lumpur. Thank you both for talking with us. Thank you, John. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. And that's all for this episode of In Asia. Anthea and Hongbo have written at greater length about China's new development white paper in this week's blog. It's well worth a read. Until next time, I'm Tracy Yang. And I'm John Rieger. Thanks for listening. Thank you.